Great. Uh, Lizzie, do come up. It's great this morning to have Lizzie speaking as... <laughs> Why is it you always get a cheer when you... Anyway. It's always the same three people. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, We are in a series um, going by the name of Rooted. It's all about what we put our roots down into in the Christian life to gain strength. This morning we're looking at being rooted in the character of God. And it's just great that Lizzie's going to be speaking on that. So let's pray together for her and for ourselves. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. And we have not got to the end and we'll never get to the end of discovering more about you just how rich and wonderful your nature is. We pray for Lizzie as she shares on that this morning, that you would anoint her by your spirit and give her your words. Out of all of her preparation and all that's in her, Lord, would you speak to us? We look to you. And Lord, we look to you for ourselves as well. Lord, we seek an encounter with you through your word. And we do pray, um, again, just that our hearts would be soft, would be good soil, for you to come and to sow words of life to us, that we might receive from you and not just hear your word and go away and forget about it, but really take it on board and be changed. We ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Good morning, everyone. Um, Well done for braving it through the snow. Um, Yeah, I slid down Pinnock's Way this morning. Um, kind of like a slalom. I've just got a new car, and it was slightly alarming to feel more slidey in this car than I used to in the old one. Um, But, um, yeah, we all managed to make it. So we're talking, as Steve says, about being rooted in the character of God. What are we talking about here? In many ways, um, the songs that we've already sung this morning, um, the prophetic words that have come out, do all the talking for me. Um, They do all the talking on this topic. We've been singing about God's character. We've we've heard, you know, uh, words encouraging us deeper into his character. I could just sit down, but I'm not going to. Um, um, Yeah, in many ways, it's a topic that it's just, it soaks around us, like God's character. It's just, it's, it's everywhere if you're a Christian. It's kind of part and parcel of your daily life is 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 what you're looking for when you read the bible it's what you're thinking about when you're praying being rooted in god's character is is part of a 24/7 life as a christian um it's it's a phrase that we use a lot but that actually maybe we don't unpack um because it if I really, you know, sat down to think about this, it, can, it sounds a little bit vague, being rooted in the character of God. It's a bit mysterious, it's a bit, bit vague. And so I've been thinking about where to start. Um, every week on a Thursday, I go to a fitness class up at um, Oxford Brooks Uni, and I was there on Thursday. Um, and uh, just getting to know a few of the ladies who go to this um, yeah, to this class, and um, was walking back with them after the class to the car park, and one of them asks the question, what are you up to tonight? The honest answer was, preparing a sermon. Uh, don't know them very well. M- you know, nanosecond to think, is that an okay answer? Do I want to say, preparing a sermon? Um, so I said, oh, 
I'm um, going to be working on uh, a talk that I'm giving this weekend at my church. And they were like, oh, wow, okay. Um, what's it on? Um, it's on being rooted in the character of God, actually, um, about knowing him um, and your life being formed by his character. And they were like, wow, okay. I don't know where I'd start with that. And I was thinking, I don't know either. And also, I've got to think of a comeback to that sentence. So carried on chatting about church and stuff. And it was, it was just interesting. Um, I don't really know what they made of it. But um, yeah, I'm with her um, on that. Where do we start with God's vast, God's beautiful, God's amazing character? Uh, there's quite a lot that could be said this morning. Uh, there's quite a lot that we could go into about um, his character, but I'm going to keep it fairly short. And then I've asked a few people to come and share at the end their, their story, their testimony, their reflections on this. Um, this is a topic where it only really makes sense when the rubber hits the road and we're actually living it. So um, I'm going to talk for a while and then Four people actually are going to come and and share their story um, that uh, connects with this topic. So to get our juices flowing, I've got a quote from Joy Dawson, um, if you could just flick to the next slide, that sets us up really in thinking about God's character. She prays, would we be still and know that you are God? We stand in awe of you, your awesome holiness, majestic splendor blazing glory, limitless power, and unquestionable sovereignty. We worship you for your flawless character, your infinite knowledge and wisdom, your absolute justice, unswerving faithfulness, unending mercy. We bow our hearts and bend our knees before your dazzling beauty, your fascinating personality, your incomprehensible humility, your unsearchable understanding, and your unfathomable love. Our greatest need is to have a far greater revelation of what you are really like. We ask you to meet that need. That's where we are this morning as we come from a time of singing and praising God uh, to, to think about this topic more. We come recognising something of who God is, but knowing that there's more to go and um, there's more that we could know about him. Oh, that our eyes could be opened to understand that more. So why might we not be rooted in that kind of God, in that sort of God? Well, perhaps because we are driven to limit God to a God in our image. This is something I want to unpack this morning. The God who is on our terms. The God who is according to our standards. The God who we are capable of believing in. But maybe a God who's a bit small. It's called consumerism. To make a God in your own image. One who suits you. In Exodus 32, we read the sad and unfortunate tale of the golden calf incident at Mount Sinai, where the people of Israel are waiting for Moses to come back down the mountain. And there's these 
incriminating words that they utter. Come, let us make gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And the calf, they make this calf out of their earrings and stuff, and they begin worshipping it. What went wrong? What went wrong? Well, three things. Firstly, they changed their minds. In verse 7, God says to Moses, Go down, because your people have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol. Six weeks earlier, this people had received the Ten Commandments and said, and I quote, We will do everything God says. Six weeks earlier. It's not that long. But what went wrong? Secondly, they got bored and frustrated. God wasn't working on their schedule. So they took things into their own hands. And thirdly, they forgot who God was. The God who just led them out of Egypt. The God who was faithful and loving to them. The God who isn't to be trifled with. They threw that in because they were not rooted in the character of God. This contrasts, this story contrasts with a different character we read about in the Old Testament, the story of Job. Job, in the face of devastating events, read chapters 1 and 2 of Job and see just how utterly awful the things were that happened to him. When everything is taken away, and then you have these horrible illnesses as well in the face of such loss, the remarkable thing that is said of Job, the biggest compliment, is that in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. That's one twenty-two. Job says, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We sing Matt Redmond's song on that theme, recognising the sovereignty of God. Job was able to do that. He had faith in the power of God. Job believed in God's sovereignty. Job was rooted, I think, in the character of God. He knew that God was both powerful and good. He trusted God. And so he could worship him, even in a time of tragedy. Job, the book of Job, is a story about a man whose questions don't all get answered. But he meets God. And it's a story of Job's steadfast um, trust in God and God's character and how that trust is celebrated. God celebrates the trust that, uh, that Job demonstrated. But you know what? I think I, um, I think I know something of the Israelites' dilemma at the mountain, sitting and waiting and forgetting and um, getting frustrated. Um, For a long time as a teenager, I wrestled with 
some bad theology that I was carrying. And this bad theology basically revolved around the idea that God is like a genie. That God lives like, it's basically, this theology goes that God is like, he basically sort of lives in my pocket. And whenever I'm going through life and something not so good is happening, I can whip genie God out of the pocket and I can say, God, help me, rub the lamp, and God makes it better. This was a theology that I lived with for a long time as a teenager, really, if I dug deep under the surface, that God was there to sort out my problems. That's that's what God meant to me, that he fixed stuff for me, that he made my life easier. Um, I had to learn, slowly and painfully, that God doesn't, doesn't work on my terms. God isn't in my life in order to pacify me and make me feel good and make me feel better. He does lavish his love on me, but he doesn't always do it on my terms. He doesn't always do it on my schedule. I had to, be learnt, I had to learn to be rooted in the character of God in all its trueness and its fullness and not just the bits that I liked but the full character of God. I was in danger, I guess I am still in danger, of worshipping the God who consoles me and pleases me and not the God of Joy Dawson's quote. So how can we avoid making God into our image, making him that genie God or making him the one who, the God who we like? Well, I think the main antidote is to look at Jesus. If you're in danger of making God fit on your terms, go read the Gospels and read the New Testament letters and then read the Old Testament because you'll find a God, you'll find a Jesus who doesn't always look like we want him to, who isn't always nice and meek and convenient and fluffy and cuddly. You'll find a God who can't be manipulated, but is good. Fundamentally good, but good in a way that sometimes blows our boxes. God is good. God is good. That is a statement that does not depend on my circumstances. God is good does not depend on whether I had a good day, on whether everything worked out. God is good is a statement that is true, even if I had a lousy day, and people were rude to me, and the car wouldn't start, and I had a really bad haircut. You know, it's... It's embarrassing, but it's true. This is the sort of criteria we use when we're thinking about whether God is good, whether our lives have gone well, and whether our hair looks good. (laughs) It sounds trivial, but sometimes we just fall into that. God on my terms. God who makes me feel good. God who sorts out my problems. That is not how we can measure God's goodness. Don't make God into the image you want him to be. God is forgiving. 
isn't dependent on whether I feel forgiven or whether I've been forgiven by everyone else I need to be forgiven by. God is kind. It's not dependent on whether I got a space in the supermarket car park. God is holy. It's not dependent on whether I just hope that he'll skip over those little faults that I keep repeating and just forget about them. God is victorious is a statement that is not dependent on whether I won that contract at work or whether the kids passed all their exams. God is creative. That's not dependent on my own creativity and the amount of energy I can muster up. God is faithful, isn't dependent on whether things are going my way. I wonder if our biggest danger isn't that we'll hype God up too much or make him too big, but that we'll squash him into a little box according to our own experience. God doesn't belong in a box. He's not a genie. Um, As I've thought about this topic um, over the last few years, I guess, I've been really helped by a book by a chap called Mark Buchanan called The Holy Wild. Those of you who've been through KTC will have read this. Generations of students have read this. We've had it on the reading list for about eight years because it's too good to let go. Um, This is a book about resting in the character of God, being rooted in the character of God. And I thoroughly recommend it, particularly if you like a kind of more thoughtful, maybe poetic approach to literature. He's just a really brilliant storyteller and writer. Um, He's going to be, he's um, Canadian, but he's going to be over in the UK in June, actually, um, teaching at uh, uh, some of our sister churches in Basingstoke at their summer school. Um, Yeah, this book is called The Holy Wild, Trusting in the Character of God. In this book, Buchanan talks about um, the idea of resting in God. And out of that place of rest, being able to risk for God. So I wanted to unpack that a little bit. Firstly, to talk about leaning on him. Um, Being rooted in him, same sort of idea. It's a bit like going abseiling sometimes. You know that, I don't know how many of you have done abseiling, but there's a point at which you have to lean back over the cliff. You're all strapped in, you're all harnessed in, and if you're going to go down off the top, you have to lean back. And it's really uncomfortable, because you've got to trust the ropes. Um... And it's, it's often the point at which there's most dithering with abseiling because it's the point at which you're not in control. Um, if you trust the ropes, then it's a really fun thing to do. You can just go, woo and lean back and bounce down the cliff. I, I really like abseiling. I think this sort of thing's really fun and far more fun than having to climb up the wretched rock. <laughs> before or afterwards I'd much rather bounce down it Um, but 
yeah, it's just a picture of this idea of leaning into God, leaning into the ropes. I've got a picture of my brother who's just returned from eight months traveling around the world. Um, I could go to the next slide. Um, here is my brother um, doing a bungee jump, um, the tallest in the world, apparently, at 233 meters. Um, he, during his eight months traveling, he managed to clock up this bungee jump, another bungee jump in New Zealand, and a skydive of 10,000 feet over a glacier. So he's a bit, you know, he's into this kind of thing. Um, it's amazing pictures. I love it. But why could he do that? Well, many of you are thinking, what on earth would possess him to do that? <laughs> but why could, he, why could he do it? Why could he just, why could he jump off that platform? seconds before that. It's because he has a steadfast trust in the rope. Well, the bungee, yeah. <laughs> he trusts the bungee to keep him. He trusts that he's going to end 30 metres below, uh, above, <laughs> below, above the ground and he will boing around for a bit and then be lowered down. He trusts that it's going to work. But it's still a risk, isn't it? That is not the safe option. The safe option is to, I don't know, yeah, take the lift or just stay on the ground <laughs> and go and feed the ducks or something. I don't know. Another touristy activity. Um, that's not, there's not very much about that that's nice. Um, but, but... He has a trust that overcomes that. It's not safe, but it's okay. Yeah. Resting in that God that we've talked about, uh, the, the quote that you know, we read from Joy Dawson, resting in that sort of God doesn't always feel like the safe option, doesn't always feel like the genie option. Because trusting in God's character isn't always easy. It's sometimes confusing and complicated I'm going to read you a little bit of a story you'll know it who is Aslan asked Susan Aslan said Mr Beaver why don't you know he's the king the lord of all wood but not often here you understand Never in my time or my father's time. But the word has reached us that he's come back. He is in Narnia at this moment. He will settle the white queen all right. It's he, not you, that will save Mr. Tumnus. She won't turn him into stone too, said Edmund. Lord love you, son of Adam. What a simple thing to say, asked Mr. answered Mr. Beaver with a great laugh. Turn him into stone? If she can stand on her two feet and look him in the face, it'll be the most she can do, and more than I expect of her. No, no, he'll put to rights all, all as it says in an old rhyme in these parts. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. You'll understand when you see him. But shall we see him? asked Susan. Why, daughter of Eve, that's why I brought you here. 
I'm to lead you so, uh, to where you can meet him, said Mr. Beaver. Is, is he a man? asked Lucy. Aslan? A man? said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. And I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? She'll feel rather nervous meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then is he safe? said Lucy. Safe? said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. We need to hold those two together as we rest and are rooted in the character of God. Resting in God's character isn't the safe option because he might just ask you to do something. To step out and to attempt something. That is a key word to people like me. Can we flip to the next slide? People like me who are risk-averse. Um, why would I step out? Why would I step out? Well, maybe because I can know the God who is with his people, who is faithful to his promises, and who wants to change the world through his kingdom. We don't step out in God so he will give us what we, what we want. We step out in order to bring his kingdom to serve his purposes. This is about risking as we rest. You can't rest and stay, I don't think. And if you try to, I think you've missed a bit of the point. Resting in God's character leads us to need to step out and to do something, to risk for him. Leaning on him and stepping out in the challenges and the choices of every day. I said at the beginning, this is an everyday thing. In our work, with our family, on Valentine's Day, for those for whom Valentine's Day is not a happy day of the year. In our missional communities, whatever it is, resting in God and being willing to from that place from our place of being rooted in him to step out into the things he asks us. This has to be rooted in our everyday life, otherwise it's just talk, it's just a Sunday morning thing. This resting and risking, this being rooted in God's character, the true character of God, has to be something that we walk through the week in all of our circumstances. I just want to give us a minute to think about how this affects us. Um, Take a minute before God. And then I'm going to ask the various people uh, who have primed beforehand to come and, and tell their 
story because they will give us a glimpse of how this is rooted in their life. And three different stories, actually, of wrestling with some of this, of finding victory in some of this, um, of it working itself out in different, different areas of life. Um, so, yeah, why don't we just be quiet for a minute and then Bex and James and Sue and Ed. Why don't you come? Well, I'm going to ask James to share first. Just tell us a bit of your story. Morning. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm James Lawton. And I came up to Oxford a number of years ago as a student. And while a student, uh, I met a guy called Al McNichol, who you may also know. Um, And while we were students, we discovered we'd both done a bit of computer programming and just had this thought one day of, oh, what if we started a business? And over the next year or so, God kind of went, yeah, what if you do start a business? And uh, so we we decided we would when we finished. And we set out the picture you had of the person sort of leaning backwards doing the abseil. Just thought, actually, that was a bit like us because we really couldn't see what was ahead and had no idea what we were doing. Um, between us, we had no business qualifications and we had one GCSE in IT. <laughs> but we, we felt God was saying to do it and we went, okay, let's give it a go. And we set out with two founding aims. One was to follow God and the other was putting family first. And that didn't, that's not always been easy as a business. And we knew that that wouldn't be easy. Um, and so we set about praying every day. And I think if you ask either of us, our testimony over the years has been that those times that we've been praying have really shaped and helped us to go where God's taken us. Um, we found peace in that where actually you know, work life is difficult and been able to trust in God. Um, we've seen answers to prayer. We've found things we were working on that we couldn't fix. God gives us some insight. Um, but basically we got to, got to working on a project that I was um, heading up and it was for an organization that we really believed in what they were doing and wanted to see them do do well we wanted to bless them and a few months into the project it basically was becoming clear there were a lot of difficulties and it was a real struggle for us we we were having to work more than we would have liked to have been working on it um it was clear we were not going to make any money on this project already and basically we launched something for them it didn't go well Uh, it caused them problems with their customers um, which then caused us problems and at that point I suddenly became aware that in me there was a belief that no matter what I tried ultimately I would always fail in it and that was really quite tough going through what was a very difficult project and going, actually, I just believe I'm going to fail at these things and I believe my business will ultimately fail and that 
it was, it was like it's difficult to explain, but I just thought I'm going to fail. And that's where resting in God and the prayer times we had in the office, I went through a period, this project was still really difficult, but I went through a period where God actually affirmed me. I, I realized he believed in me and that actually got to this place where I was like, actually, I'm not destined to fail. And that story would be great if it then ended with, and the project all went brilliantly. But the truth is, it didn't. The project went completely belly up. Um, We ended up not getting any money for about six months of my time. And we got to that point, it was like, it would have been a really obvious point, based on where I'd been before, to go, I failed. I knew I would. I failed. And like, even though God tried to affirm me, I did. But actually, I got to that point and went, I'm secure in this. And I know that God, going forward, there's no reason for me to fail. And that's not what God speaks over me. And that's my testimony. How are you? <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, Sue, Eddie, um, uh, uh, God is amazing. Yes. Here, um, uh, sun, a moon, um, stars, uh, um, whole world. Here, um, uh, God is amazing. Um, uh, Eddie, um, um, uh, strokes yeah. here, um, here, um, um, here. <laughs> um, uh, God is faithful, yeah. here, uh, faithful. Um, uh, Sue, um, Eddie, uh, uh, Zonason and Kedia, uh, son and daughter. Um, uh, uh, God is uh, um, uh, God is amazing. You hear? I wasn't really going to say very much at all, but, but as others have been talking, I've kind of remembered things that may be quite helpful. Um, just before Ed's stroke, or during Ed's stroke, <clears throat> uh, we didn't know he was having a stroke. We thought he had a bad headache. Uh, but God was really, really gracious. Um, we, we were, I was praying with Eddie because he had a bad headache. And, and I remember praying that God was sovereign and, I, you know, and afterwards in, in the morning, I thought, why was I praying about his sovereignty when I was just praying about a headache? But actually then in the morning when it was clear that Ed had had a stroke and he couldn't move and he couldn't speak and everything seemed a little bit out of control, it was like, no, God, you are sovereign. I prayed about your sovereignty and your sovereign and his grace was so present with us. And when we've talked to Eddie about that time for him, um, he would just say that God was with him. He, he didn't have any fear. Whereas I think probably most of us, if you imagined that you had no speech and you couldn't move, you may be a tad afraid. Um, but there was no fear. And um, God was really, really gracious. 
John, your picture was very similar to a picture God gave me on the day that Eddie had his stroke. I came back from the hospital and closed my eyes and saw this winter scene with a cottage, a cosy cottage on the hillside um, with smoke coming from the chimney. It was very, very similar and felt God say that this is going to be a winter scene. And um, then I closed my eyes again and I saw Eddie and I playing snowball fighting outside on the slope and and it's like yes it's going to be a winter scene but there's going to be fun in this time too it's not all bad um you know there are going to be some hard times but it's it's going to be there's going to be joy in it as well and so it's really really encouraging the the first day that eddie that kezia and johnny saw ed after the stroke which was several days later um kez came when we came back, she sat on my lap and, and she, she said, God gave Daddy his headache. How can God be good? She was five at the time. And it's like, oh, there's a question. And, and I remember saying to her, because God is good, so God will bring good out of this. And, and I guess we, we sort of had that view. We've, we've had that view over the years. Um, it's not always been easy to keep that in focus, um, but that has been really helpful. And we're just really, really grateful that we've experienced God's grace and his faithfulness um, and his goodness over the years. Um, you know, it has been difficult. It still is difficult, you know, if we're honest. It's still difficult because things that we thought might have changed by now haven't actually changed. And... You know, I think probably a couple of years on after the stroke, I had thought seven years, and I somehow imagined seven years and, and Ed will be healed. And I remember talking to, to somebody who'd had a, a, a brain injury that I had this hope, and, and he said, yes, Sue, I thought that, and he was on his 11th year. And I had a little inkling that I might be wrong. <laughs> but, um, but now, actually, I, if I'm honest, my perspective is quite different. You know, God will heal Ed, I know he will, um, but it may not be. It may not be on this on earth. <laughs> it may be, you know, my perspective has changed slightly, but I don't know that I could have quite carried that early on. And God's been really gracious um, to us. Um, yeah, so we're trusting God's God's faithfulness in the future too. I mean, a big one for us is trusting God's faithfulness with Jonathan and Kez because they were five and six when Ed had his stroke. And when they were young, that was quite easy to, to sort of carry them along with us. Now they're 17 and 18, and they've got their own hard questions. You know, their dad hasn't been able to talk to them, and that's, that's hard. Um, but we're trusting in his faithfulness. is just a wonderfully rich kind of picture isn't it of the body of Christ wrestling with truth wanting to be rooted wanting to place our firm hope and trust in God and it is possible for us to do that but it's not always easy Um, but there is something in doing that together something in discovering the person of Christ together um, that 
enables us to be rooted in God's character. So I'm going to hand back to Steve at this point. It's all very profound, isn't it? And, and good for us to hear all of that. Um, I believe that in the time that we've got left this morning, that God wants to, um, to do some transformation. But as we've been encouraged so often, our focus is on transformation out there. There are things that we want to see changed out there. Um, and some particular things you want to see changed in us. I believe God wants to change some things in us this morning. I think we'd all recognize that there are parts of our thinking and our believing and our feeling that are at odds with aspects of who God is. I believe God wants to draw close to us this morning and to shift some things inside us so that instead of us making him in our image, that as the scripture says, he will transform us to be like Jesus. That's the promise, isn't it? That we will be changed and made to be like him. And I think there are some specific things that God wants to shift in us. So, Graham, would you come and share what God gave to you, please? Uh, I was just very struck by... um by God wanting to change the way we think about ourselves, uh, particularly with respect to his world and how we relate to his world. And um, God wants us out there to bring transformation in his world. And when I look at myself, I don't always believe that I'm the sort of person that can do that. And... um, we all, I, I guess I'm not the only one that feels like that. But if God wants to speak to you, or you feel God speaking to you about transforming the way you see yourselves, this is a time of transformation. I believe this day, time of prayer and this ongoing prayer is about changing us and changing us so that we can take forward, we can move forward in all that God wants to do in bringing his plan and purposes about in the world. And so if you feel that God's put something specific on your heart and you feel like um, you're just wandering around in the desert picking up manna and now you're being called to go and take the promised land with giants and cities and all that sort of stuff and who am I to do that? I believe God wants to start processes in our lives. You know, like teenagers, we grow up and transform from being about that high to being that high and having not that much strength to having more strength and all sorts of changes take place in our lives. And I believe God's putting processes in place in our spiritual lives to bring about changes. And if he's doing that for you now and uh, wants to bring about that change in your life, I believe that it's good to pray and affirm that now. I'm not sure that you're going to go out of here like that. You came in as a baby and you're going out as a giant in God. But uh, I believe that there's a sort of saying yes to embracing the purposes of God in your life for that transformation to take place.